0: Every one of you has a story. That's what God's put on my heart for, I don't know how long we're going to be talking about it, hopefully all year, because he's rewriting some of your stories. Or he's already written a good story, but you're going to be rewriting your story. Uh, I can't even imagine how impactful you really need to understand your story is. Just how important it is. And you might watch a, a video like that and go, wow, that's awesome, but I'm not at that place. I I didn't respond like that. Listen, did you hear everything that she went through? Did you hear all the tragedy? Did you hear the divorce? Did you hear those things? Some of you are going through some stuff right now, and you're thinking, well, I need to grab hold of that testimony that God's on the other side of this, and he's going to bring me through it. So if he... It, when, as you continue to write your story, it's not going to have a, a tragic ending. It's going to have a triumphant ending. Because if you know Jesus Christ, who's your Lord and Savior, you're already triumphant. But you kind of determine by your will how you're going to walk this triumphant walk out. or Is it going to end in you just barely getting through or just barely getting by? Or is it going to be something that God says, oh, man, they have gave me the glory by the way they lived their life? by the way they spoke, by the way they acted. That's what this is about. I mean, this is such a serious, you know, it's a serious sermon series that God's given me. Next Sunday is Sanctity of Life Sunday. And I don't know if there are any women in our church, I know that we used to have and they've moved away, that have had an abortion or that you considered an abortion and you got prayed out of it or somebody rescued you out of it. But if you're that lady, if you're that woman, or if you're that man and wife that has, has faced abortion, even, maybe even if you walked through it, but you saw the redemption of God through it, if that's you, I, I would love for you to contact me so we can get your story up here next Sunday. Because there are people that need to hear that there is hope, even after abortion. Come on, church. Oh, no. There's, yes, there is hope. We don't kick people under the bus. God doesn't, so why would we? God is the God that forgives. And listen, he forgave you of all your sins. It's your worst point in your life. He says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In the midst of your worst sin, and if you want to even think about it, I don't, think, I don't suggest you think about it, but if in the midst of your worst sin, Jesus saw you from the cross and said, that's my joy, that's my child, I'm dying for them right now. So you've got a story to tell. Don't think that your story isn't important. But what's it saying? What, what's your, what is your story saying? You know, our testimony and our story, they're basically the same thing. You know, when Jesus, before he left, he said, but if you go away from me, he said, but you'll, you'll receive power. You'll receive power, and then you'll become my witnesses. You'll give a testimony of who I am. And he said, you'll give it to not just a few, you'll give it to where? In your local city, in your county, in your state, and in your nation, in the world. Your testimony, you may think, well, my testimony is not going to affect anybody. It may only affect a few people. But did you know your testimony may affect millions, hundreds, thousands? You don't know. You don't know where God's gotten planned for you. But here's the thing. Your testimony is life and death. Your testimony is who is Jesus Christ in me. Well, Pastor, you just don't know how bad it's been. I don't care how bad it's been. God really doesn't care how bad it's been. He cares what you're going to do with it today. Uh Uh-oh. He cares what you're going to do with your testimony today. He cares what you're going to do today with your life. Not what you did yesterday. That's done and gone. Say yesterday's gone. Today's all, I got. Today's all I got. So I'm going to make it count. Amen. We were in this building last Saturday saying goodbye to my cousin. I preached my cousin's funeral. This place was as full as it is now. They have an interim pastor at First Church of the Nazarene. And she read the obituary, and I preached the funeral. We get a text from my cousin's wife. Yesterday was it yesterday or the day before? Yeah. Yesterday. And Joni and her husband Rick, he drives a 18-wheeler. They were going to do a delivery in, in Alpine. Their 18-wheeler hit another 18-wheeler head-on. And Rick lost his arm; it was severed, and he's fighting for his life right now. He's filled with grain, and, it's, and he sucked in a lot of. He's buried in grain. Brain bleed, crushed ribs, crushed bones. His wife has a, her brain was swelling, had a brain bleed, but she's, I think she's going to be okay. But she woke up out of all of that to find out that her husband, what had happened to him. What, when I say that, is we don't know what tomorrow holds. So we better get a hold of today, church, and live it like there isn't the a tomorrow. Your testimony counts today. Oh, well, I'm going to get it all straight. You know, I I remember that when I was a teenager. I remember thinking, one of these days, how many of you ever thought about that, especially you guys, one of these days, I'm going to sow my wild oats. I don't even know where that came from. I don't know what wild oats even look like. I think they probably look like weeds because that's what wild oats are if you're sowing them. Oh, when I get through doing my deal, how I want to straighten up, I want to start serving God. You know, you know I'll, quit, I'll quit playing the field and I'll find me a little old, good old Christian girl and settle down and have three kids and a dog and start serving God. You think that? Listen, that's wrong thinking. You don't know if you have tomorrow. You can sow, I, you can sow your wild oats. I, I remember a testimony of my brother in law. I love my brother in law. He's, he's, been, he's been with Jesus now for two years and a few days. I'll never forget this testimony. He said when he was a teenager, I mean, he, he loved Jesus. He was my youth pastor when I was a kid, and I was sowing wild oats. <laughs> and he had one of his best friends ask him, Paul, tell me about Jesus. And he was kind of embarrassed, and he didn't tell him. He, he didn't tell him about salvation. He didn't tell him at that moment where he said, just tell I need to know about your Jesus. And he didn't tell him the next day, the next day, that young man was in a car wreck and was killed. And my brother-in-law said, I've had to live with that the rest of my life. This blood's on my hands. I don't know how all that works. Out. I don't know we're covered by the blood. We we're going to talk about that this morning, but we don't know. How many of you have gotten a call from some, some family member? Oh, so-and-so passed, and nobody even knew they were, they were dying. How many of you got a call like that? Come on, raise your hand. This, how many of you have, have heard of a sudden death from, from some a friend or a relative? Raise your hands. Nobody, they didn't expect that day to be their last day. Oh, I'm waiting. Oh, he's waiting for the rapture. Listen, that day could be your rapture. Tomorrow could be your rapture. We're not promised that. So listen, that's why I'm, this is so important that you get this about your story. Turn to Revelation 12. Revelation 12. Don't forget, if you've if you got a, a testimony about, uh, concerning sanctity of life, please come talk to me after church. Or find Jeff or find Joe or find somebody that you can say, I've got a story about that I think some woman in this church, some teenage girl in this church might need to hear. Amen? Okay. Romans twelve ten. Now, I'm not going to try to recap the first part of that because that's all about, it's about end times, and you can go back and read it and study it, and it's, it's, it's really interesting. But I want to pick up at verse 10. It says, Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now, salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren. Now, this is not God speaking because he says of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night. He has been cast down. Now, this verse speaks in uh, two things that you need to see in this verse. First of all, he's speaking about things that have already happened. You know, Revelation speaks about things that have happened, things that are happening now, things that are to come. Uh, matter of fact, all the Bible talks about that, it's prophetic words throughout the Bible, things that haven't happened yet. And so he's saying that, I heard this voice, and he said it's about salvation and strength and the kingdom of God, and the power of his Christ has come. So we know that that was, had already taken place when Jesus came to earth. He died on the cross. He was raised from the dead. He ascended to the Father. He sent the Holy Spirit to the earth. And now we, we have the Holy Spirit within us, right? Amen. He says, all these things have happened, but he says, for the accuser of our brethren who accused him before God day and night has been cast down. So we know that the enemy lives here. He also operates in the heavenlies, but there also is scriptures that that would allude to the fact that Satan has limited access to heaven. I don't understand all that. I know it talks about it in Job, and it says here he comes before God day and night, and he's accusing the brethren. Who's the brethren? You, 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 you. I don't care if you're a sister. He's the sister. You have the sister, right? He's accusing us. What is he accusing us? Well, you, man, you ought to see that. You ought to see oh, Joe. Man, I saw him last week, and he was doing this and so. And you know what? He's accusing us before the Father. He's accusing us all day, day and night. He is coming after and to accuse us and to bring us down. And we've got this great advocate, and his name is Jesus Christ, that steps in and says, nah, he's mine. He's mine. He's covered by the blood. But see, if we're going to be overcomers, we've got to understand that we have the power of Christ in us to be overcomers. Because he's talking about being an overcomer here. Are you an overcomer this morning? Yes. That's good. That's a good response. So let's look at verse 11. These are the, these, this verse is the one we quote so often. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Say Testimony. AND THEY OVERCAME HIM BY THE BLOOD OF THE LAMB AND THE WORD OF THEIR TESTIMONY. SAY TESTIMONY. THAT'S YOUR STORY. SAY THAT'S MY STORY. AND THEY DID NOT LOVE THEIR LIVES TO THE DEATH. THAT'S THE PART WE DON'T EVEN READ THAT PART. WE JUST QUOTE THE OTHER TWO. (laughs) BECAUSE THAT OTHER PART DOESN'T SOUND AS GOOD. ALL RIGHT? SO THE THEY IS US. SAY "They THEY IS ME. THEY, I OVERCAME HIM BY THE BLOOD OF THE LAMB. Who's him? It's the accuser, it's the devil, it's the Satan, it's Beelzebub. It's all those ugly things. He is the accuser of the brethren. that's what he does. And he's really good at it. He's honed his skill for thousands of years. And so we are overcomers because the first thing is the blood of the lamb, say, the blood of the lamb. I grew. Up, and this is. I titled this. My. This is my story, and I'm not going to focus on my story much. But I just need to tell you a little bit about it. So a lot of you are fairly new here. Uh, you know, I was. I was. I was born in the church nursery. <laughs> Anybody else born in the church nursery? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, your mamas barely missed church. Oh, I got to have a baby. I'm going to miss Wednesday night church if the baby's born on Wednesday. I was born on a Tuesday. I was born on Election Day, November 4th, 1952. Dwight D. Eisenhower was elected president that day, and they named me Harold instead of Dwight. I don't know. Or Dwight David. Mom, why didn't you name me Dwight David? I like that name. I've been named after the president. Harold. I found it in the phone book. It's good. I grew up in church. How many of you know what it's like to go to church every time the doors are open? Every time the doors are open. But, Mom, it's Tuesday. Well, we're having revival. How many of you ever got pulled out of church many times for being disruptive? I was a disruptor. How many of you ever had your head bounced off of one of those hard pews? Bam! You better settle down, boy. I don't want to have to take you out in the vacant lot. We had a vacant lot next to the church. That's where we got whipped into shape because we love Jesus. But I, I, went to a, I went to a very religious church. You all know what I'm talking about, a religious church. Many of you all have been to religious churches. And, and here's the thing. Even in a religious church, you get some truth. I've got a lot of truth, man. I, here's what this truth taught me. That when my mother read the Bible stories to me at night, I believed them. I believed about, I believed Noah built an ark. I believed that God did part the Red Sea. I, there was never a doubt. In, y'all know what I'm talking about? She just read it, and she said, it's your mama. So if your mama reads it to you, and she said, this is true, well, I just, I believed it. I believed that Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. You see, if you haven't been brought up in church, if you've never been ingrained in those things, you might go, well, that's just nuts. Really? They... God, God opened up the sea, and it was dry ground, and then he said, let it come back, and you know. But I just believe that because my mother instilled that in me, and I had a measure of faith. But there was also a measure, a big measure of religion, and it was about not, there's not, I, I would say I, I was brought up in an almost graceless church. I was brought up in a church where it was works, 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 works. And I had no understanding that I was covered by the blood of the Lamb. I didn't have an understanding about grace. I didn't have an understanding that God had already won the battle for me. And it was always talked about, you got to be good, you got to be good, you got to be good, you got to be good. Don't sin, don't sin, don't sin, don't sin, don't sin, don't drink a beer, don't smoke a cigarette, you're going to go to hell if you do. I should have been a rapper. <laughs> but how many of you know what I'm talking about? Come on, give me a. Let me get a witness. Amen. Every Sunday down the altar, Lord save me again. I don't want to go to hell, and I would ask God to forgive me, but I wouldn't know. I didn't know about repentance. I didn't understand repentance, and that's why I believe that when God called us into this ministry, he called us to this work, He said one of the keystones of what we do is we're going to preach repentance. You see, we God has not called us just just to. We take that, the grace message, you can take it too far. You can take the, the holiest message. It's not like Basil told me one time, it's not and or, it's yes and. There is, God's called us to live a, a pure and holy life, but he's also said you're covered by grace. It's not one or the other, it's both of them. They work beautifully together, by the way. Amen? Amen. Amen. God never, you know, we're not supposed to sin a whole lot so God can show us a whole lot of grace. Yeah, they even asked that of Paul. They said, "Well, shouldn't we send some more and more and more? Because then we'd get more and more grace." And what what was Paul's response to that? God forbid! (laughs) No, that's not what we were done. That's not what we're here for. Because we love him so much, we serve him. But I didn't have an understanding of being covered by the blood. But in my simple faith, I think probably I was I was probably saved because I'd gone to the altar so many times. I probably did have holes in my jeans. But we, when I was a kid, Aaron, if we had holes in our jeans, you know what my mama did? Blue jean patch, iron-on blue jean patch. They're probably 10 cents at Woolworth. I don't know. But they would rub raw the inside your knee. But we had no holes in our jeans, just lots of patches. But I go to the altar, and I think I'm going to unload on God. I'm going to get him to forgive me. Then I'm good for another week till the churches they give another altar call. That's not God's. That wasn't his plan for my life. It's not his plan for your life. His plan for your life is to repent, turn from your sin, serve him, love him. Do, do what's right. So my story was up until 17 was that, getting saved every Sunday. But when I was 17, I, was in, I, I really was rebellious that summer. I was, uh, my brother and I took a... Took a trip to Shreveport, Louisiana. That's where my, brother, my brother-in-law, my brother Paul Sanders, and my sisters, Lana, they were youth pastors there. And they said, well, you want to get away from mom? Dad, just come see us. I think they had a, an ulterior motive. <laughs> the last time I got drunk was in Shreveport, Louisiana. I drank too many malt liquors. <coughs> Anybody ever have the dry heaves? Here's the commode. Here's Harold. Nothing, nothing. God said, if you're going to keep drinking, that's what's going to be a result. And I thought, oh, God, I don't want that anymore. I'm done. (laughs) Next Sunday, my brother got saved. The next Sunday after that, I got saved. We got baptized. And I I was dating Mary Lou at the time. Man, we were in love. I was even writing letters from Shreveport, Louisiana. And I wrote her a letter. I'm done. I'm I'm changed. I'm a new person. And she knew it, didn't you? She knew it. My friends knew it. You know why my friends? You know how I know my friends knew it? Because they left me like a whew, like a tree, like a leaf falling off a tree. They were gone. And they, they didn't have anything to do with me because now I was sanctified. But I had an understanding now that what salvation really was, it was more than just going to the altar. It was like he says, I want you to be, I want you to make me Lord of your life, Harold. I don't want you to just get saved. I want you to make me, make me Lord of your life. There, see, there's a difference there. You can get saved, but have you made him Lord of your life? Your story will change when you make him Lord of your life. And so for, for 30 years, even, even through all of that, even in the midst of that, when Mary Lou and I almost divorced, God stayed with us. He did not let go of us because he knew there was going to be a day he was, I was going to be standing on this platform telling people about Jesus Christ. He knew that. I didn't know that. See, you don't even know what he's got in store for you. But he's just saying, be faithful, serve me, walk with me, don't give up because he's got this plan for your life. He may not be being on a stage, but your life could affect hundreds and thousands of people if you were just faithful. Think about that person that led Billy Graham to the Lord. That man's life, his legacy was millions of people coming to the kingdom because he was willing to say, Billy, you need to know about Jesus you don't know who you're going to impress, who you're going to uh, relate to, who you're going to sow into that's going to give their life to Jesus Christ. You might be the person that just sows some seeds. You might not be the one that wins them to the Lord. You might just be sowing some seeds. I preached a funeral last week for Connie and Lucinda's, well, Connie's aunt, Lucinda's, and well, was Rhino's sister. And they said, oh, well, they want you to want you to preach. I was the, I was the. You know, one pastor couldn't be there and another, another. but God knew I was going to be there, didn't he? I didn't know I was going to be preaching a funeral for somebody I didn't really know. But I got to sow seeds. They said, Pastor, you were right on, you were right where you, stood, you said the very things that needed to be said to our family. Amen. See, you don't know the things that you say. That's part of your story. That's part of your testimony. Let me tell you what Jesus did for me. Come on, that's all, that's your testimony, Persephone, that's your testimony, uh, that, that, testimony. Christy, that's your testimony, let me tell you what God has done for me, and guess what, they can't refute your testimony, and when they ask you, what do you mean, well, I'm, I'll tell you, I'm covered by the blood of the Lamb, what does that mean? That means the perfect sacrifice, Jesus Christ went to the cross, and he died in your place, so you wouldn't have to die, so you wouldn't have to go to hell, so you could live a victorious life. We're covered by the blood. We have a blood covenant with Jesus Christ. There's no better covenant than that one. I'm telling you, there's no better covenant than that one. I know we have a covenant of marriage, but there's no better covenant than the covenant of the blood of Jesus Christ that covers all of our sins. Not just a few. Ephesians 1.7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Aren't you thankful for his grace? Aren't you thankful for his grace? The only reason we're over- overcomers, church, is because Jesus Christ overcame. And we get to ride in on his coattails. Amen? Amen? Second thing I want us to see this morning is the word of their testimony. Verse 12, 11 again. again. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Look at Second Timothy one. 2 Timothy one. I'm reading New King James today. Timothy was a brother, like actually like a son to Paul. Paul would pour into him. Uh, I've read some commentaries that say Timothy was probably the first mega pastor. He pastored many churches. There was a huge number of people. And they were of all different backgrounds. It was in Corinth, and so he was he was he was he was. He was preaching to all these people he was and yet there was so much uh, so much coming against him the enemy was coming against him so furiously and that's where we get this famous verse when, when Paul encouraged Timothy and he said for God has not given us a spirit of fear Timothy but of power and of love and a sound mind therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our lord see if you're ashamed to tell somebody you're you're a believer you You're ashamed to tell somebody who saved you from hell and is going to escort you into heaven someday. Should we be ashamed of what Jesus did for us on the cross? I don't think so. Maybe you just need to pray for some boldness. But that's your story, that's your testimony. Nor of me, his prisoner. Paul was writing this from jail. But share with me, in, with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. Oh, we don't like to hear this stuff. but well, I'm gonna, it's, it's here. It's in the word. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works. Thank you, Jesus. But according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Before time began. Think about that. He knew I would be here preaching today before time began. He knew you would be here today before time began. Our minds just go, right? Can't, can't figure that one out. Before time began, he knew the decisions you would be making, the decisions you've already made, the decisions you're going to make before time began. But he says, I've come to save you not according to your works, But according to his goodness, his purpose, his calling, according to his, according to Jesus Christ before time began. And verse 10 says, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death. And brought life and immortality to light through the gospel to which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able. Say he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day, till he returns. Never thought. In the wildest, in my wildest imagination, when I was a young person, I'd be a preacher someday. With that I'd be singing gospel music. I didn't, I didn't have that was not in my plan. It was not in my time, my, you know what in my story. This is what I think I want to do. I want to be a pastor. Because pastors have it so easy and they make so much money. It's a great profession. Listen, they're falling out by the thousands. They are, they're leaving the ministry by the thousands. You know, if they're leaving, I think it's probably probably a good thing. <laughs> yeah, ooh, what? Because I think if you're called to this, and you know that God called you, you're not going to leave it because it's going to be your passion for the rest of your life. So I, I, I do believe that people burn out, but they burn out because they're probably doing it for the wrong reasons. But they're falling out. I mean, they're just not falling out in the spirit. They're just getting out. <laughs> Because it's not the easiest thing to do is to deal with a lot of people and their stuff. But God gives you, if he's called you to something, he's going to give you the grace to do it. That's my story. No seminary. No counseling school. Life, I guess, is my school. (laughs) I heard that, yes. (laughs) I'm not saying that's wrong. I think it's great to do those things. Uh, just wasn't in, my, wasn't in my story. Your story this morning, my story should include some elements of what Paul just spoke to Timothy. So I'm going to ask you a few questions and you can respond out loud if you show desire. Did God give you a spirit of fear or a power, of love, and a sound mind? So why are you afraid? Why are you afraid of stepping into your calling? Let me read that again. Did God give you a spirit of fear? Did He? No. What did He give you? Power, love, and a sound mind. Power, love, and a sound mind. Say it with me. Power, love, and a sound mind. You need to speak that over yourself. Every day that if you wake up and there's fear, if, if, if you're afraid to do something or go somewhere and wherever God's calling you, what he's called you to do, and if there's a fear there, I'm telling you, it's not, from, it's not from God, it's from the enemy. God did not give you a spirit of fear, it's a spirit, but power and love and a sound mind. Does the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead live in you? Yes. Hmm. Let me ask you that again. Do the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that raised Jesus from the dead live in you? Yes. Mm. Has God called you out from the world into his kingdom? Yes. Okay. Y'all are right on cue. Is God going to judge you according to your works or his grace? His grace. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, the grace that is greater than all my sin. Hmm. When justice was served, mercy stepped in. I love that. I love that. Is God able to keep you and complete the work he began in you? Yes. He is, but doesn't seem like he's doing a really good job right now, Pastor. <laughs> right? Don't we go through some things and we're like, man. God, you're supposed to keep me and get me through all this, and it feels like, where are you? It's okay to ask questions. God's not going to be, oh, I can't believe that. I don't believe. And don't trust me. You know, surpri- listen, we never surprise God. He's always like a billion steps ahead of us. Oh, here's the, the most popular one. Might you have to suffer for the cause of Christ? Yes. You know, we don't talk about that much in 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 or I don't hear much about it. I, I seem to find it in scriptures, and so I'll read it, and I go, eh, Man, why didn't they cut that one out? You know, could wipe that one out? oh no, Lord, we don't want to suffer for you. And I don't even know what that looks like, but I know what it could look like. I know we have brothers and sisters all over the world that know exactly what it looks like. You know, you don't get a hangnail and suffer for Jesus. That's not it. It's when a guy puts a gun to your head and says, "Are you going to renounce Jesus Christ. Or he puts a gun to your children's head and said, are you going to renounce Jesus Christ? I don't. I don't think we know yet what what it's like to suffer for Christ in uh, some ways. Matthew 10, Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, but beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogues. Oh, thank you, Lord. I'm so glad we chose to serve you. (laughs) You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a what? Testimony to them. And to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, don't worry about how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should say. In other words, the Holy Spirit's going to give you what to say. So when you're delivered up to your family at Christmas, (laughs) that was a joke. No, Pastor, that's not a joke. You don't know my family. You ever felt like you've been delivered up? You tell them about Jesus. No, you tell them about Jesus. (laughs) No, he will hit you. No. Uh, But Jesus promised them. He said, look, you're going to be brought before judges. He said, you're going to have to give a testimony. So you're going to be brought before people. You might be brought before your boss, and you might have to give a testimony. But it should be a joy to give a testimony of what Jesus has done in your life. Amen? The word of words of our testimony will be words of life, faith, courage, and truth. Our testimony should always be in glory to God, not glory to ourselves. Even with your bad past, God can get the glory because you can tell them what God delivered you from. Just don't dwell on it in your testimony. They don't need to hear how many times you stuck a needle in your arm or how many years you were in prison. They just need to know, hey, you know, I served some time. I used to be an addict. I used to be this. I was that. I was this. I was that. You don't have to go and give it a lot of give a backstory about all the things that you used to do. just start telling them what God's doing in your life now, what he did for you, how he saved you. Where he's taking you, he gets the glory for that. You know, if, if our past doomed us to hell, then Paul would have been in, in hell right now. But the grace of God stepped in. Amen? Amen. 2 Timothy 1.13, I, I want to say, how do, how do we continue to build our testimony? We're almost done. How do we continue to build our testimony? Tim, uh, Paul says to Timothy, hold fast. Say, hold fast. Hold fast, hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me, Paul says, in faith and love and which are in Christ Jesus, that good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. Hold fast to good teaching, to good doctrine. Hold fast to the word of God. Hold fast to the truth. Hold fast to the promises of God. And and, you know, and I, I pray that one of the reasons, one of the One of the highest, most important reasons that you've said, I want to be a part of Freedom Fellowship is because you believe you're getting sound teaching. You're getting sound doctrine here. You're getting the whole counsel of God. I'm not just going to dwell and and fixate on one thing because God says there's so much that I've got for you. And we could never cover it all in our lifetime, church. But I, I don't believe you're here because you're getting your ears tickled. Right? Brother John, is Brother John here, Brother Nolan, Brother John? A lot of times after church, he'll come up to me and say, Pastor, that was a hard word. then he'll smile. Because he knows if I'm going to preach the gospel, sometimes it's going to be a hard word. Because God loves us so much. It's, It's reason, you know, you give your kid a hard word. Don't you dare walk out into that street. Don't you dare before you see, look both ways before. Oh, well, that's a hard word, Mom. No, I'm trying to keep you from getting killed. Right? We believe this. I believe this. I believe in miracles and signs and wonders. I believe in the fivefold ministry. I believe in. Apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. I believe that that's foundational in the church and in the doctrine of the church I don't believe we get have the choice of picking out the two and say those don't matter anymore They're not current and pick out three and say they're current I believe in the grace of God I also believe in living a holy life Like I said earlier, it's not either. It's not one or the other. It's both. It's yes, and I believe in the sanctity of life. I believe in the sanctity of marriage, that is, between one man and one woman. I believe that we are to love the sinner but hate the sin. I believe in holy communion and water baptism. I believe in the laying on of hands. I believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. I believe that the Son of God came to this earth and died for our sins, that he died on an old rugged cross three days later. He was raised from the dead, gloriously raised from the dead, and because he was raised, we will be raised. And he ascended to the Father, and he said, I'm not going to leave them orphans. I'm going to send my Holy Spirit to fill them and baptize them. I believe in the laying on of hands, anointing with oil. It may look silly, but God said to do it. Who am I to say that's not current for today? That doesn't line up with, that doesn't feel good, that doesn't look good. Or people shouting or speaking in tongues. Oh, I'm offended because that. I don't understand that language. Well, you, but you get that. God understands it. We've got to know what we believe, church. You can be offended by it or you can grab a hold of the Bible and say, let me look at it. Let me find this. Because there was a time in my life I didn't believe a lot of those things. And God said, Harold, you've been listening to a man teach you. Get in my word and find out what I'm going to teach you. Let me, hold, let me teach you about the Spirit of God. And if they're, they're, listen, there's tons of things I don't understand. I don't I don't understand a whole lot in the Bible. I don't. But in the bottom of the bottom line is that God, even if I don't understand it, I trust you. Listen, I know teaching about, about healing is, is sometimes one of the most difficult things to grasp because I prayed, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and she died and he died. And yet we what do we teach? No, it's God's will to heal. We speak it because God says, I'm not willing that any should perish. He says, if we ask, we can say to the mountain, be removed. He said, Well, I'll give you what you ask for. And he, all Jesus did is demonstrate that I love you enough to heal you. He demonstrated it over and over and over again. A- am I right or wrong? Is that what the Bible did? Is that what he taught? And he said, the greater works that you shall do than I've done. And you know, Well, it didn't work out the way he did. She didn't get up and start walking. He, wasn't, he didn't get his side back. Well, I, you know what? I'm just going to keep praying. I'm just going to keep praying. You can, go, you can go to church, and they won't talk about any of this stuff. And you can go and just kind of sing three hymns and put your offering in and shake the pastor's hand and go out and be the same way you were when you came in and not affect the world for the kingdom of God. But I'm telling you, if we're going to affect the world for the kingdom of God, we've got to get on board with the Word of God. We've got to get on board with prayer. We've got to get on board with the Holy Spirit. I believe that there's a hell. Not suggesting or recommending it for anyone. And I don't know exactly what it looks like, but I know to be separated from God for eternity is enough for me to say, I don't want that. I believe that there's a heaven. I believe that when we die, when we take our last breath here, our next breath is in the presence of the Lord. You know why I believe that? Because the Bible teaches it. To be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. Well, well, is it a holy place? Is it heaven? I don't, you know what? It just doesn't matter. I want to be in the presence of the Lord where He is. I want to be. <laughs> what about the rapture, Pastor? Listen, the rapture can happen. Like I said, if, if, you, if you step out today and a bus hits you, you're raptured. <laughs> you're going up. If you know Jesus, yep. you're going up. Probably wasn't the way you expected it. I just want to be there. And <laughs> yeah. And the twinkling of an eye he's coming back for us. You know, when he's coming back and he's setting up his kingdom one day, a thousand year. I don't understand all that. I just want to be there when it happens because i want to be with him. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to love Jesus. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to preach Jesus. You just have to love Jesus and be obedient to Jesus. He's coming back. And he said, be ready. Because you don't even know the day or the hour. No one knows. Not even Jesus knows. Isn't that amazing? Because he's the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the three are one. Why didn't Jesus know? I don't know. See, I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of things I just don't know. But God does. And I know God. It's not what you know, it's who you know. Amen. I think I'll finish with this next one. I won't go to the fourth, fifth, and sixth, and seventh point. <laughs> I just have four. This is the third one. Because this is where I think we've got to get to. They did not love their lives to the death. See, we like that. And they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of testimony. And then it goes on. And we don't, you ever hear people quote that? Yeah, They just quote that part. They don't quote the rest. And they did not love their lives to the death. You know what that means? They weren't afraid to die. And we have Christians all over the... I don't want to die. I don't want to die. (laughs) Isn't it kind of silly? Because we're all going to die unless we're raptured out. Right? Okay. You sit at the funeral home, man. That's so sad. It's going to be you someday. But... Mark 8.35 says, For whosoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. Philippians 1.21 says, For to me to live is Christ and to die is what? It's gain. And one of my favorite passages, I preach at almost every funeral. See, we're invincible. What's that, what's that old country-western song? Ten feet tall and bulletproof. Anybody know that one? Anybody dance to that one? Oh, no, we don't do that. No, no. No, no. Sure. <laughs> Pam, how's it go? <laughs> just kidding. Ah, <laughs> uh, I have no idea. <laughs> Pastor, anybody know that song, Ten Feet Tall and Bulletproof? Guess what, as Christians, we are kind of like that. We're ten feet tall and bulletproof. I used to think, well, we're not. No, we're not. See, here's the thing. If we don't love our lives to the death, if we're not afraid of dying, then we should be ten feet tall and bulletproof. I mean, we're covered by the armor of God, right? Yeah. And we quench every fiery dart of the enemy. And, you know, the thing is, the Bible says we never die. Y'all believe that? Yeah. Uh, if you, some of you I don't believe that. We're going to die because I know there's going to be a funeral someday. We're no, no, listen to Jesus. After, after he came back and Lazarus had, had died, Jesus said to Martha, because Martha was said, if you'd have been here, we, he wouldn't have died. Why would you hear Jesus? And he said, look, Martha. I have the resurrection of the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. He said, well, yeah, yeah, I know that. <laughs> but then he said, and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Huh? Let me read that again. And whoever lives, Jesus said, and believe, this is in red, and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe that? So what he asked, Martha, so why should we fear death? We shouldn't fear death. You might not like the idea of dying. It might not be so cool. But death should not, we should not be afraid to die. Because we already know we got it. We're sealed. Unless you don't know that. And that's where we come to. Are you an overcomer this morning? By the blood of the lamb. By the word of your testimony. But are you trying to can kind of protect your life and not going to go out on too many limbs for Jesus because you're afraid the limb might break and you might die shouldn't be shouldn't be afraid I think of how sometimes we get so afraid to preach or teach or speak or give our testimony and I think of Peter You remember Peter and Jesus said Peter before the Rooster crows, you're going to die me three times. And Peter said, no way. No way. You see, Peter didn't have the Holy Spirit in him. So that's why we can know that he was afraid to die. Because just a little servant girl says, aren't you one of his followers? Yes. No, 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 not, not me, not me. I don't know. I'm just a bystander. Just here to see what's going on with him. Who's that guy anyway? Three times he's denied Christ. And the third time he said he cursed God. See, he didn't have a Holy Spirit in him. That was pre-Holy Spirit. That's pre-resurrection, pre-salvation. Really, he he trusted, believed Jesus, but man, that was going a little bit too far. I asked him to die for me. But now we're different. We have this Holy Spirit that dwells within us. If we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we shouldn't be afraid to give our testimony. We shouldn't be afraid to tell people what Jesus has done for us. Now, I'm not talking that means you go out and you yell at somebody and you tell them they're going to go to hell if they don't believe in Jesus. It's not that. It's hearing the Holy Spirit and speaking the truth in love. It's telling your testimony. I heard that you had just gone through a tragedy in your family. Why are you so peaceful? Well, let me tell you about my Jesus. And I heard you just, you got your car repoed. Well, aren't you like frantic? No, no, God's got me. No, that, was, that was my bad, but God's got me, and I'm going to get things straightened out. see, there's a different way of responding when you have the testimony of Jesus in you, the spirit of prophecy in you. You can speak it in your situations. You can speak life over yourself. You can speak life over your family. You can speak life into your job. You can speak life, 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 because Holy Spirit lives in you. We are the overcomers, church, because Jesus Christ overcame Would you stand to your feet cuz you have the ministry team come to the front